Hey, chaps, happy Wednesday. Praise God. What a time to be alive. It's been a great, a great time just really uh, wrestling, uh, carrying on from yesterday's uh, stream on, on clarity. I just feel like, you know, when you, you get information that changes your view, you know, Andrew Graves, Whew, to what do we owe this? High honor. <laughs> Welcome, brother. Um, yeah, you know, so I was really going through this, uh, this, this new lens of, wow, why do I click with certain guys? My whole past, you know, my past church history of, you know, I think I was brought up in the churches I was saved into and, and whatnot, you know, growing up Pentecostal, charismatic. Rob, hey, brother. We were brought up to value uh, continuationism or, or Holy Spirit manifestation as the number one primary um, sign of tribe, of agreement. You know, so like, oh, those guys believe in the Holy Spirit? Okay, we're friendly, you know. And like you can go to a church which is super patriarchal and super uh, dominionist, you know, the, the two things that are now most important in my life. But because there's, you know, they're cessationists, you're like, oh, I don't really like this church or whatever. And it's like, okay, whoa. Or you go to a church that's super uh, continuationist, Holy Spirit-like, whatever you want to call that. But they're feminist and they're missional, uh, you know, look like the culture. And you're like, man, I should like these guys. I don't know why I don't. Why don't I fit in here? And so like just reading this whole thing of, of, of drawing tribal lines along these uh, value systems, you're like, whoa, like this is amazing. Brandon, brother, I'm here strictly for the information and the accent. Thank you. himself came to great success simply by never changing his accent. So I think there was this huge, this huge, like just the scales fell from my eyes of like, why do we like the people we like? Why do we not fit into the places we think we should fit in? And so I really just want to hit on, on this thing for us of in-group in group identification of, you know, when, when we, we ask, like, what is a tribe? Because this is what I'm currently wrestling through right now. Uh, you know, Driscoll in his book, and, and it's great. He says it because, like, a couple weeks back, I was saying how I, I thought Driscoll was a great example of a tribal chieftain, a tribal king, who unfortunately got caught up as a priest in the morality or the, the, the purity spiraling of, of the standards that are applied only to priests in a church because he uses the church as the vehicle for tribal for tribalism. And so for me, I'm like, man, like there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a different way. And so when, when I look at successful tribes, you know, if right off the hand of right off the, the back of the hand, we can say the Amish, right? They're clearly a tribe. They're a peculiar people. They stick to themselves. They have high in-group preference. So I think in-group preference is a key, key, key factor to tribalism right? They solve all their problems in-house. So, so in-group when it comes to arbitration, morality, uh, norms, customs, right? Amish don't go to the courts to sue another Amish, right? They have their own in-group legal system. They have an in-group economy. Every guy knows every guy what skill they do and you buy from your friends before you ever go out to buy from the English. And even then, if you're buying from the English, it's like, hey, chaps, we noticed something that we don't have in group. Let's sort this out. 
and they'll sort it out. Very sovereign when it comes to economy, in-group economy. Um, and then, uh, you know, media is a huge in-group uh, thing. You know, are you raising your own children? Are you schooling your own children? Are you reading your own tribes, literature and mythology and, uh, and vision casting media, you know? So, so you look at, at the combination of, of tribal lines. The, the biggest issue for us here is, is in-group of how do you know who your people are? So the Amish, it's super easy. It's like, oh yeah, he's Amish, he's Amish. We know each other, everyone knows each other. You can see each other, there's a peculiar people, right? You look at, again, another great uh, moment of tribalism was 2016, right? You wear a red hat and you have an American flag, immediate connection, like, these are my guys, you know? And it's 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 almost still a meme now. If you have a, a American flag in your backyard, uh, you're a racist Nazi. Um, and if you wear a mask, it's a signal. It's a tribal signal to your in-group, right? We're signaling to each other. You know, and then you look at like the Proud Boys with their sweet little black golf shirt with a little yellow trim around. It's like, okay, they have a uniform. You know, so so when you start looking at at certain tribes, they make it very easy to identify each other. Now, now other tribes, you think secret societies, you think business chamber of commerces, you think associations, um, cartels, maybe. The only way you know other people is they have regular meetings. They have regular, uh, which kind of the church is, that's also churches. Like, how do you know that other people are Christians or part of your church? You have regular meetings where there is a familiarity. So number one with each other, right? Of like, oh, you go here, I go here. Oh, what's your name? What do you do? Who's your family? Who's my family? Where do you live? Where do I live? Uh, what is your business? What is my business? Familiarity, right? You start having familiarity and contact points with the people in the group. Second thing is a shared leadership or a shared vision, right? So, you know, I look at, I look at the Afrikaner or the Amish, both are very distinct tribes based on language, right? Based on a, a shared history, mythology, that they all are common to them as an Afrikaner or common to them as an Amish. If you ask who is the grand or the supreme allied, um, the supreme allied, the supreme Amish commander, I, I don't know if they have a pope or a, a grand mufti. Uh, you know, so so for the Amish, it's more a way of life, a vision, right? They have a shared vision, a shared founder, Mr. Arms or whatever his name was. Um, and they they yes, they have priests. Yes, they have tribal, you know, uh, eldership council and all of that kind of stuff. But if you had to ask an Amish, like who is your tribal chieftain? Or you have to ask an Afrikaner, who is your tribal chieftain? Or your, your, who is your captain? They, they, they don't have a captain, right? That's the great problem uh, of the Afrikaner is they are leaderless. They do not have a, and perhaps it's the great strength of the Afrikaner. Who knows? Um, right, you know, because if you ask us, us Anglo chaps, us English boys, you know, who is your leader? It's like, well, it certainly isn't the queen. Um, but it is, but it isn't. You know, like, is that, you know, I think if the queen all of a sudden decided to to go based and absolutely just, you know, dissolve the parliament and just, just go patriarchal dominionist wet dream, we'd all be like, yeah, the queen, that's my tribal leader, <laughs> you know? But, but that's not the case. And so... 
you know, you don't, you don't identify with the queen. It's like, no, I'm, I'm an English boy who's independent of, of any tribal affiliation or whatever um, like that. Rob, the Amish elect a bishop from among them. That's very fascinating. Really cool. Andrew Graves, vs de Captain, Akas de Captain. Rob, it is said that when an Amish man is elected bishop, his wife will weep. It is a great honor and burden. And so there it is, chaps. It's, it's the burden of leadership. It's the responsibility that comes with authority. And, and, and so this is what I really want to hit on for us. The easiest, the easiest tool, the easiest vehicle for tribe, for, for us Anglosphere chaps, because we've been so, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this. So, so, so the tool, the, the only known tool for us for tribalism is church, right? Where the pastor is the tribal chief. We have a, a little bit of an in-group, a little bit of an in-group, a little bit, not, not much, just a little bit of an in-group. But the reason in the Anglosphere why we have been detribalized is multiculturalism, right? When you, when you hear multiculturalism, what you're hearing is multi-tribalism, right? And multi-tribalism means every other tribe is allowed to come here and be their tribe and we must accept and celebrate and hold space for them. But we, the hosts, are not allowed to have a tribe. You're not allowed to have an in-group. Like that is evil. That is terrible. How dare you have an in-group? But everyone else can have an in-group. Everyone else can have a tribe. So multiculturalism has beaten down. You know, you look at any homogenous society, you're like, oh, who is the tribe? There's no need for tribalism uh, in the American uh the American space, the spaciousness of America, the peace of America, the prosperity of America, there was no need for tribalism in the founding of America, right? The, the pilgrims were a tribe, the, the Puritans, the, the colonists, the, you know, all these guys coming in. Sure, there was differences and stuff, but, but when it came to survival, you know, yes, we're a tribe. The Puritans or the pilgrims were, were a very clear uh, tribe, you know, in-group survival was the, the common goal. But then you, you go into this period of very organized politics, very organized economy, very organized uh, media. And so now the tribe takes a back seat to nation, right? The tribe has become a nation. So the Amish are a tribe. They're not a nation. The Afrikaners are a tribe. They were a nation, but now they're back to being a tribe, right? A tribe fights for survival. But once everything's peaceful, once everything is is all clear, we can now graduate from tribe to nation, right? And a nation has politics, economy, media, like all, you know, we don't have to identify anymore as uh, as Amish or as pilgrims, right? Because the the need for survival is now finished. And so this is the reason why us, two reasons, number one, multi-tribalism, and we are now being not allowed to have tribes. And number two, we've had such a long period of nationhood or of empire even, of subjugation of other tribes, that we ourselves have lost the need for tribal in-group. We've lost the need for tribal dependence and survival. Uh, and, and tribal life is hard. You know, it's exactly this thing you're saying there, Rob, of, of, a, of a burden of leadership. There's also a burden of tribe, you know, to be, to collectivize ourselves from our individualistic libertarianism you know where we it's nice to be an individual why because you don't have to go to church on easter because you don't have to go 
to the the town parade because you don't have to uh, go to the friend whose barn just burnt down. Individualism means I can just live a very easy, uh, separated life. Tribalism means I belong. It's this bishop getting elected as the, the grand bishop of the Amish. He now belongs. He now no longer belongs to his wife and kids. He now belongs to the tribe. And so, so as men, one of the, the as, as Western men, one of the aversions to tribalism, one of the aversions to community is the fear of giving ourselves, of giving ourselves away uh, to, to other, other men, to other people, for, for other people's good. And I think this is like something we're, we're really having to figure out, you know, of like, man, I'm really nihilistic. I'm really full of despair and I'm really depressed, but at least I'm free. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, well, I, I think I, I would like to start trying some tribalism, please. <clears throat> Andrew Graves, a lot of us uh, ideological outcasts need to come to grips with the burden of leadership. Personally, I'm very convicted about flaws in my character and don't want to perpetuate them to family and friends. And that's the multi-generational thinking, you know, it's that whole thing of like, wow, like if I don't do anything, my kids are just going to get what I've gotten and even worse. You know, if I don't do anything, my grandchildren are going to have even worse, you know, like this, the civilizational decline, there's no brakes on this train. There's no bottom on this ocean floor. <laughs> like we're going, you know, and it's, it's this thing of like, okay, I can do something, you know, and that's the meme. The meme is that we have to start Boogaloo. The meme is that we have to become a senator. The meme is that Donald has to be the president. And it's like, no, 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 like never has worked. It's, it's, that's it. The political solution. There is no political solution for us on the right. It's moral and it's economic. It's tribal. It's a tribal solution. It's like, it's a thing of, of, you know, can I, can I get a, small modicum of neo-Amishness, our own property, our own bunch of families who all like each other and, and believe uh, very similar things and are working towards a wholesome local scale civilization. And it's like, wow, my kids are going to inherit what I never got. And if they keep doing that and we set them up to carry on doing that, our grandchildren are going to inherit what we never, never, never got. It's really good. Wait a minute. What? Welcome, brother. Late, but spectacularly on time. Uh, was catching up last night's video. Very cool. Grunont uh, Kat, welcome. Welcome. Afrikaners are realizing that they don't need one leader to stand up. Everyone individually are leaders in what they can control under a cultural banner. Yeah, exactly. And and here's the great, here's the great balancing act for the Afrikaner. You you started out as a tribe. You won nationhood. You became a nation, and now you're back down to tribe to tribe again, right? And you're still operating in the tribe as if through the lens of still being a, a nation, right? A nation conducts itself through senators and ministers and presidents and mayors and all of this stuff, whereas a tribe conducts itself through patriarchs. And so this is what we are, we are learning that we haven't got, that we are, are, have been robbed of is the power of patriarchs, patriarchs which are, are strong families allied with other strong families coming together to form a tribe, right? And those patriarchs together shape the tribe. So you're right in, in, the, in the essence that uh, 
you know, Afrikaners realize they don't need one leader to stand up. Sure. It's like, you need patriarchs. You need tons and tons and tons of patriarchs. You know, there's what, 5 million Afrikaners. It's like, you're going to need a couple thousand patriarchs uh, to all stand up and be like, it's what happened with, it's exactly what happened with America in the 1770s, right? You had about 200, 300 to perhaps a thousand patriarchs all stand up and say, right, chaps, we hang together or we hang alone, but, but let's, let's, let's roll. Let's get this thing going. And that's where the Afrikaner is at now. They are at their founding, their second founding father moment. And it's where the Anglosphere is at. It's where America's at. It's where Britain is at. We're at the second moment now of do we re-kick start civilization? And that comes from tribalism. It comes from patriarchy. It comes from strong patriarchal men, strong tribal chieftains saying, all right, let's start, let's start operating. And again, it's not operating politically. Yes, there is political operation. Yes, we should vote. Yes, we should, we should go for bureaucratic jobs. Yes, we should do all the things in the political realm. But that's that's a, a far end, that's a, a far down the line victory. That's the that's Mount Doom, right? That's the final thing in the novel. First, we build economy, we build morality, we build families, we build institutions, we build schools, we build banks, we build uh, property portfolios, we build assets, we build power, right? All of this stuff is the fruit of this is their nationhood. <clears throat> Rob, the burden of tribe begins with understanding that your fate is intertwined with that of the tribe. Man, that is really good. You know, it's, that's it. It's, it's celebrating the mythology. It's celebrating the, the glory um, of your past as a tribe. You know, that, that is why when, when you look at Rome, when you look at, at Britain, when you look at America, when you look at Rhodesia, when you look at the, the Afrikaners, the founding story is the one that's most pushed, right? The founding story, the, the Genesis narrative. You know, Israel, it's the Genesis narrative. Because that's when we were a tribe. That's when we were fighting for survival. <clears throat> that's when the, the first patriarchs stood up. And, and so these guys, you know, if you look at, at the Afrikaner, it's all about the Great Trek and the Boer War and the Bruderbund, uh, you know, and the, the takeover of the institutions. If you look at, at the Americans, it's, it's George Washington, and uh, it's the Pilgrims and the Puritans, and it's the, um, the, the Black Regiment, you know, and, and their founding stories. Founding stories are so important, right? Because you realize, wow, that was my tribe. Those were my forefathers. They were once back against the wall, fighting for survival against uh, hostile tribes, and it's like, then we went into nationhood, everything was squeaky clean, we beat all the other tribes, and we got lazy, and we got fat. And now instead of identifying as tribe, we identify as an individual, and uh, screw responsibilities and burdens of the tribe. It's now a nation. <clears throat> and now we understand, like, we're coming back down again, where like, our nations have been subverted or conquered. In many cases, our nations have been conquered. You know, the Afrikaner, you were conquered, you know? Um, the 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 American, you know, you've been subverted and culturally conquered. Uh, the Englishman, we have been subverted and culturally conquered. Uh, of of all of them, the Afrikaner actually stands the best because they know they were conquered. Like they were kicked out of government, 
totally new tribe took place, right? Whereas the Americans and, and the Brits, it's like, oh no, fellow white guy, you know, fellow multicultural, you're still here. Like, you know, it's this convoluted, we don't know who our tribe is. We don't know who our enemies are. We don't know that we are in a cultural war. And so until we get back to this tribal survival mythology of like going back to this thing of like, wow, we get to be the refounding fathers. Wow, our tribe is in the midst of a cultural war against hostile tribes. We might not make it. How exciting. Like it's super exciting. Der Yoman, people in the West think they're owners, but we were only ever renters and the rent is now due. Yeah, man. You know, it's, it is that whole thing of, of, uh, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. You know, they say, uh, the dad, the, the grandfather was poor, worked his way up uh, to wealth. And then by the time the, the grandchild comes along, uh, he's back poor again. And it's because we don't instill the values, the, 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 the payment, the, the responsibilities required to maintain civilization, to maintain prosperity, to maintain peace, to maintain uh, nationhood and not sink down into uh, into tribal survival again. And again, these are just these are just throughout history. It's the engine of history, right? And so, you know, for us not to black pill over this, for us not to uh, yes, you know, it's the five stages again of like super denying, denying that we've lost power, denying that we've been subverted, denying that we have uh, been subjugated. You know, denial, denial, denial. Then anger. You know, we get freaking angry. Then sadness and grief and black pill. And then bargaining, right? And I feel like I feel like for a lot of us, we're now at the bargaining phase, right? And so a lot of guys, their bargaining is like, well, can't beat him, join him. And they just go and join clown world. And they they give up any semblance of fight or fight back or tribalism or like, or you know, it's hopeless or or it's uh you know, I'm just going to go libertarian and, and totally just enjoy myself and, and love my time on this earth. Uh, and I don't really care about the future. But for a lot of us, we're starting to negotiate back. And the best negotiation happens with a bargaining power, with a block, with a negotiating block, you know. And so this is what we're all doing, right? Especially online, we're all starting to meet guys. We're like, oh, you're bargaining? I'm bargaining. Like, let's bargain together. Oh, you're bargaining? I'm bargaining. Let's bargain together. And what are we bargaining? We're pushing back on clown world. We're pushing back with a reciprocal counter offer, an extreme offer of we're not going to go down and die. We're not going to accept this condemnation and punishment uh, and uh, subjugation that you're putting on us. It's a counter demand. It's a counter offer. And the more guys we gather, the more uh, institutional strength we build, the more bargaining power we have. <clears throat> Rob, a key component to tribalism is understanding who is and isn't in the tribe and treating those people accordingly. Yeah. So that's what I was really, I was, I was wanting to hit on today, you know, who are our people? And I think, I think right now the only, the only, uh, you know, a lot of guys, like how we identify online, you know, I think the, like I said, this is how I always used to identify as a Christian was like, oh, do they believe in the Holy Spirit? Like they must be my guys, you know? Whereas now I'm realizing like that's a very personal thing. The You know, whether you're a cessationist or a guy who believes in, in manifestation of the Holy Spirit, whatever, like that's just a personal thing. That is not a make and break 
that's not something, that's not a salvation issue. It's not a tribal issue even. It's a personal issue, right? What I do in the worship of my own home, it doesn't affect you. You know, like I said yesterday of like, if I get cancer and die, that's my issue. If I get cancer and the Lord heals me, praise God. You know, it's not a thing of putting on other guys things that are going to control them or whatever. So this is where we get to our two core values that I feel is kind of developing. And this isn't a me thing. This is like something that I think all of us guys are picking up on. I almost feel like God is pushing this for those who have ears to to hear and eyes to see. I feel like God is raising, especially uh, in, in Christian men, a lot of us at least, patriarchalism and dominionism, right? So I want to explain those two things that we're starting to gather around, right? And how we're starting to identify each other, right? So so reading Driscoll's book, he talks about um, egalitarianism and complementarianism, right? So egalitarianism is basically just feminism, right? Women can do anything a man can do, in fact, better. The complementarians are just like, whoa, 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 let's slow that down. Um, we believe there's gender roles. We believe that, uh, that there's, um, you know, God ordained authorities that only men should do and, and all this stuff. Uh, but that's only in the church. That's only in the church. Uh, and we need to love the woman and, and respect them and all that stuff. So it's like feminism, feminism light, (laughs) you know, I'm like, no, like I, I'm actually all out patriarchal. You know, I think that there's a, a, a God-given mandate to protect women. And like the Bible says some very clear things about um, how, you know, the, the, the sexual, I'm trying to, the, the feminine, the feminist imperative or the feminine imperative of like the woman wants to dominate the man. And so that is not just in the church. That's in all areas, you know, of this whole thing of like, are, you know, the, the question you can ask someone is like, is it okay for, do you think women should, do you think women should be a police officer? And most complementarian guys are like, well, it's up to her. Like if that's her thing, you know, like you can't, it's not on us to stop her. And it's like, it's like, dude, just the natural grace. Like you, you don't have to be saved. You don't have to be a moral man, but just the natural grace of like understanding how God made us. It's like, dude, a 150 pound woman or a hundred, I don't know how much women weigh. 130 pound woman will get absolutely mobbed by a hundred pound dude every day, every time, you know? And it's like, what is the purpose of a policeman? What is the purpose of a soldier? It's to protect women and children, you know? And it's just like, so it's on things like that where it's like, I'm not even, I don't even care if people call me a Nazi. I don't even care if people call me a misogynist. I don't even care. It's like, dude, there are some such clear cut moral things of like, yeah, men are different to women. You know, men have a different, a totally different role, a totally different mandate uh, to women. And then likewise with women, it's like, man, how much more honor is there than being a mother? Like you bringing life into this world and being able to nurture and care and, um, you know, like, whoa, like, is there anything more honorable and amazing than that? And it's like, no, we'd rather go be a slave, a wage slave cuck. Um, You know, it's like the guys don't even want to be wage slave cucks. No, but we've got to go and anything a guy can, can do better. It's like, oh, you can do slavery better than a guy? <laughs> Actually, you can. And that's why the capitalists like it. Anyway, so this this huge thing of patriarchy, you know, of like it's a, such a clear clear thing for a lot of us. And, and, and it's not this, because there's the meme. 
the meme is like, oh, Scott, so your wife is chained to your basement and you abuse her. And, uh, you know, like, I'm just trying to think of the memes that are, are around patriarchy. But like, no, no, no. Like, actually, I think what we're trying to, what we're trying to heal from both my wife and I, like my wife's trying to heal, heal from, from being raised in a feminist worldview. And I'm trying to heal from being raised in an effeminate worldview. You know, we're both trying to heal from this thing and move towards God. What did you want? What picture did you make? You know, so that's where a lot of us guys are, <clears throat> is trying to figure out God's ways uh, for sexual dynamics. The second thing is dominion, right? So, so where Driscoll was, was chatting with us on, on dividing tribal lines was being missional or being fundamentalist. And my whole life growing up, I considered myself a missional guy, right? I would hear the word missional. I'd be like, yeah, I'm missional. I want to be a missionary. I want to change culture. But reading uh, how they use these words, like, oh my gosh, missional means like very evangelistic. Like you want to just evangelize, get everybody saved and you'll do anything to do it. You'll look like the culture. You'll uh, seek a sensitive. Uh, you don't retreat from sin, retreat from culture, um, which in a way I used to believe in, right? I used to be like, oh yeah, the, the um, what is that option? The... Uh, the Benedict option, right? Retreat from society, go build your own little enclave, uh, homeschool your own children. And I'm like, yes, but I also want to be missional to the, okay, the third position of fundamentalism and missional is dominion, right? I will not look like the culture, but I'm going to take dominion over the culture, right? I'm not going to retreat, I'm going to advance. And so I think this, this whole thing for a lot of us guys is like, yeah, that sounds right. Like we don't give up our institutions. We don't run away from fights. We don't retreat because we're afraid. You know, we don't, uh, we're not victims crying out for God to come and save us. It's like Jesus already saved us and he's given us a commission to disciple the nations. What does disciple mean? It means you discipline what goes on, you know? So I think those are like the two key core tribal concepts that I, I see kind of, uh, rising up amongst young men is patriarchy and dominionism. Everything else around that are secondary issues, right? They're issues that you don't have to purity spiral over because they're, they're either not a salvation issue. They're not a tribal issue. They're a personal issue, you know? So that's why like I can get along with guys uh, who are Amish. I can get along with guys who are Mormon. I can get along with guys who are Baptist. I can get along with guys who are Pentecostal because it's like, are you a patriarch? Are you a dominionist? Now we can learn from each other. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go become Amish. I'm not going to go become Mormon. I think, I think that's where we, where we have the church as tribe as kind of a, that is not the best tool to understand tribe, right? I think tribe is a, a loose affiliation, maybe a strong affiliation of many different uh, church expressions. But, but do you believe in dominion? Do you believe in patriarchy? Like we'll probably get along well and we, we can have bargaining power together, right? Because we want bargaining power of setting frame for culture. We want bargaining power of, of setting a vision for what all the young people coming up want to live into, want to, uh, you know, we want to demonstrate and disciple a positive vision uh, for these youngsters coming up. Russell Lamberti, welcome, brother. Uh, the rise of English as the global language is a huge challenge for Anglo nation building. Language is a powerful logger for a tribe. Language is like a secret key or code. The English code is cracked. That's tough. Dude, exactly that. The Amish speak German. 
the Afrikaners speak Afrikaans. Uh, you know, most in-group, uh, the multicultural dream has all these different uh, immigrant groups who have enclaves that don't assimilate. You know, the, the, there's a huge language aspect. Like, it's so easy. It's like, oh, you speak my language? And that's why with the English, all you can really get is, is jargon, is lingo, you know, inside jokes, inside language. And I think there's a huge um, detriment to that of, of having the Anglosphere be the global language. Wait a minute. I've been trying to build a local tribe for years to no avail. Realistically, my tribe will be my sons. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing there, bro, is is what what are our expectations? You know, when when you look at the Amish, that you know we just see the polished outside of three or four hundred thousand plain clothed folk who are just absolutely machining it in accumulating land and and being culturally ascendant. You know, whereas for us, it's like, man, I, I don't even have three mates to have a beer with every weekend. You know, I don't even have uh, a cousin who owns an auto shop and a cousin who owns the local farm. And a I, I don't have that, you know. And so it is this thing of, of if we can admit that this is the vision we're trying to get, now we can start going somewhere, right? The vision is what's important. Momentum is what's important, not our current lack. You know, th that's David in the desert, right? David knew he was anointed to be king. He knew that he, he was going to be, uh, he had a vision. But there were 14 years, you know, of just absolute challenge and lack. Uh, and, and that's where we are right now. We're, we're at this point of God has put the vision ahead of us. And so now we're starting, you know, and mate, the fact that you even have sons is like, boom, you know, that's the first step is, is, is being fruitful and multiplying is, you know, God says of the Israelites when they're taken away captive to Babylon, he says, uh, do not decrease, increase in number. So praise God. Russ, loss of unique language for Anglo tribe doesn't mean nation building is impossible, but it requires skill. Have to assert all cultural assets at our disposal. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, cultural assets. So so back to the title of, of, of this video, who, uh, who are my people uh, and which are my institutions, right? Man, like the quicker we can start having in-group preference institutionally, the quicker we will start having our own in-group cultures, right? Institutions are cultural builders. So what do you mean by institutions, right? Media houses, schools, um, performance, you know, anything that is uh, rest-related, recreation-related, leisure-related, that's all media stuff, all institutional things. Um, when it comes to, to economy, right, institutions start becoming things like chambers of commerce, right? Start becoming manufacturing uh, organization like organizations that get together to invest in a manufacturing venture, organizations that get together to invest in property, organizations that get together uh, to plan and develop areas, right? Those, those, that's an institution. It's institutional power. Um, in, in the governmental area, institutions are, you know, your local bureaucratic offices, your local elected offices. Um, it's things like NGOs, right? NGOs are a crazy powerful institution, you know, where we're all giving our tax deductible money um, to uh, organizations that are on the outside, very uh, astute and uh, recognizable, incredible, blah, blah, blah. But actually, you know, they're busy bringing a million migrants a month over the border or they're busy pushing child pornography through libraries or, you know, NGOs are incredibly powerful because they can 
they can do, they absolve the givers of the money from the final end product, which is perhaps two or three window, uh, Overton windows beyond what is acceptable, right? You know, so, you know, if, if some guy donates to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense fund, it's like, you're going to lose your job, right? Because that's outside of the cultural window right now. But if you donate your money to an NGO and the NGO is called like, we love trees, we plant trees and save the bees NGO, that NGO can then freely donate to the Rittenhouse Defense Fund because everyone's like, oh, it's an NGO, it's not a person. You know, that it's an incredible institution. Russ, every little fight avoided stores up a bigger fight for later. It's like popping pimples, man. You know, it's that whole thing of, of letting dirt stay somewhere and then not cleaning it out, you know, not avoiding it or not confronting it. Um, yeah, church as tribe is a bad idea. Yeah, and it's not that it's it's not that it's a bad idea. I mean, right now it's the only idea we have, you know. It's it's not that all these guys who are are tribalizing the churches. I, I really like this thing we came up with a, a couple couple of days or weeks back. We want to sanctify our tribe. We don't church. Well, sorry, connection was going there. You know, if I I thought that if I had to start a tribe, I had to start a church and then gather all these strong men together around my church, and now we have a tribe. But then I'm held as a priest uh, to all these crazy priestly expectations when I'm actually a tribal king, right? So, so now we're starting to realize like, okay, we need, we yes, churches are good, but they, they are a part of a tribe. They're not the tribe. So, so a church is a part of a tribe. It's not the tribe, right? A, a tribe can have many churches. A tribe uh, can have, many priests, right? But you, you want, you want to move away from the church being the, the, the only machinery for a tribe. You know, you look at the Amish. Yes, they do all their law, their arbitration, their, their culture through the church, but then they have economy, right? They have their own governance structures, their own media, etc. It's the same thing with cartels, right? Cartels are a great, like, is that a gang? Yes, that's a gang. Like no church involved. Well, that's it. Like all these cartel drug dudes, they're, they're all going off to mass, like good little Catholic boys. And it's like, yeah, the church, the church is a part of that, that gang, you know, but economy runs that gang and a, a hard king runs that gang. All righty, Rob, check out the book Forging the Hero by John Mosby. Yeah, I'm, I'm a couple of chapters in. It's really good. We'll do a, a stream on it um, at some point. So, yeah, you know, chaps, I, I really wanted to hit on this thing for us of, of a well-rounded tribalism, you know. Again, the church, the church has been memed as the only vehicle uh, for tribalism. It's been memed as the only domain for working for God. But we have the domain of governance, the domain of media, and the domain of economy. We need to see it as a well-rounded, all four domains uh, are our in-group, are our uh, our tribe, our tribe mates are working in all four domains. And I think for us, like we are, we're doing well online of signaling to each other, right? Of identifying our guys, identifying the guys who have similar uh, concepts. Something I, I wanted to hit on there as well with, with uh, patriarchy, that root word for patriarchy is patria, right? And one of the, one of the issues I have with a lot of the complementarian guys who are the soft, 
you know, so you have you have the egalitarians, which is hard feminism, and the complementarians, which are soft feminism. These guys won't touch ethnicity. They won't touch nationalism. They won't touch what, why are cultures different? Why are there racial differences? Why are there cultural fights, you know? And so patriarchy has the answer to that, right? Of like, hey man, again, that whole analogy of like, if I marry my wife, it doesn't mean that I hate every other woman. And likewise, me being an English boy doesn't mean I hate every other ethnicity. Like we can be friends even, right? In fact, you can be friends uh, with other ethnicities once you're honest, right? Because now all the, the disappointment is taken out, all the fear is taken out, all the anger is taken out because it's like, I don't expect Indians to be white boys. I don't expect Nigerians to be white boys. And so I don't treat them with the expectation uh, of them having my manners and my customs and my preferences. And now we can be friends because we're honest. And you can be like, hey man, why do you do that? Or, hey man, I didn't like that. Please don't do that. That's not what we do over here. And it's like, okay, great. Like now we have peace, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Russell and Birdie, what I mean by church uh, equals tribe equals a bad, bad idea is that guys think church transcends tribe, i.e. the multi-culti church tribe. Guys think that church dissolves ethnicity. Yeah, you know, and that's it. So so going into this whole thing of civic nationalism and, you know, a lot of churches, they 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 want to be civic nationalists. You know, like we have so much pride in America or we have so much pride in South Africa, rainbow nation. We love this nation, pray for this nation. But they don't realize that they are fueling ethnic conflict. They are fueling ethnic hatred, ethnic disappointment, ethnic uh, anxieties and expectations that, that God never put on anyone. You know, and it's this whole thing of, of when I get saved, you know, when the Bible is talking about no Greek or Jew, no slave or free, no man or woman in Christ, he's, they're talking about um, being an heir of Abraham. Right, you know, because the Jews were famous to to be like, thank God I'm not a goyim, thank God I'm not a woman, and thank God I'm not a slave. You know, because it's like I'm a <clears throat> I'm a Jewish male citizen, and so therefore I have the blessings of Abraham because of because of my class, right? And so it's like no, 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 like the blessings of Abraham are for anyone who believes, are for anyone who. Uh, who, who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ to be their, their Lord and Savior, right? But that doesn't mean I stop being a man. So when I get saved and, I, and I, I get washed with the blood of Jesus, I am now a man who is saved. I am now a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A husband who is saved. Like getting saved doesn't stop me being a husband. Like, oh, sorry, babe, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> you know, if you're, a, if you're a father, like, oh, I'm saved now. I'm not a father anymore. Your natural hardware gets a software update, right? The software update is Jesus Christ is now my Lord. I swear fealty to him. He is now the king of kings over me, right? He is now my king over my hardware. And one of those hardwares is being English. You know, so I'm an Anglo. That doesn't fall away. It means I am now an Anglo who is saved and brought under the blood of Jesus, and has and now has to have obedience to Christ. That's why it says, disciple the nations. 
because the nations don't fall away. They get discipled. They, they, the hardware gets a software update. Andrew Graves, acknowledgement of disparate and legitimate political interests and forging alliances based on truth and not lies has to be a staple of whatever political future we have. I like that. You know, I think that's it. It's, we can have very disparate alliances, right? You know, this is where, like, I really am, I really am enjoying this moment, guys. I, old me would have been petrified to even acknowledge that I've spoken to a Mormon. Like, you spoke to a Mormon without getting him saved? You are not saved. You know, it's like this thing of like, guys, we can, we can have alliances with other tribes who are, are, um, you know, for me, it's the whole bus stop theology of like, we can get off once the bus has cleared clown world, or they can get off once the bus has cleared clown world. We can devolve into theological purity spiraling after clown world has been conquered. Um, yeah, and then based on truth and not lies, that's one of the biggest things for Christians. You know, Christian leaders are petrified of speaking the truth. Christian leaders are petrified of being rejected and losing followers and losing respect and losing, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, the, the truth is second uh, to their to their fear of man or their fear of woman, you know, the fear of approval, lack of approval. And that's why like fear of the Lord is such a big thing. It's like you lie because you're afraid. Russ, the neither Jew nor Greek scripture has been badly twisted. Nailed it. Thanks, brother. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, and that's, you know, yeah, praise God for it. So I think one of the, the big things for us is, is figuring out, um, obviously, number one, what is your domain? You know, we've, we've hit on that a lot. Like a lot of us, we aren't meant to go into ministry and praise God for it. You know, media, economy, governance, like we've got talent there. We've got passion there. Like freaking gun it. Go hard. See yourself as an agent of, uh, of your tribe gaining mastery and skill and strength in your domain. But the second thing is like now how, okay, I'm doing that now. Like, like, uh, like, uh, wait a minute. As you said there earlier, like you're trying to form a tribe and you've got sons now. It's like, you know, you are a legitimate agent, but now it's like, wait, I kind of feel like I'm doing this alone. You know, I feel like I'm the only guy who's a patriarchal dominionist. And so I think herein lies our next thing. And this is what I'm, I'm really trying to figure out for us of, of, and I'm, I'm really appreciating your guys commentary because I, I feel like this is something we're all reaching at together start identifying like from my dad if he was like well son these are our people these are the guys that that are safe these are guys that that'll do anything for us we'll do anything for them uh you know your life uh is is you you have a burden now to carry these people it's like okay i've inherited a tribe but for a lot of us you know we don't know we don't know who our people are we don't know who's safe we don't know who uh looks like us but are going to turn us into the state or going to, or going to, um, you know, wish we were dead or whatever. And so it's, you know, I'm really glad for social media. I'm really glad because this is the first identif identification, right? A lot of us guys, we've, we've never met each other in, in person, but it's like, this is my guy. This is my guy. This is my guy. And, and I really feel it's important chaps to start reaching out to each other, uh, with phone, um, and just start making, and, and here's the thing, don't be afraid. I think this is our biggest thing. You know, we're like, Oh, what if I, what if, you know, it's this whole fear of association, guilt by association thing of like, what if I don't like this guy? And it's like, well then never speak to him again. 
you know, what if this guy's dodgy? Then never speak to him again. Like, it's fine. You've got boundaries. You're a man. Um, but I think, or, or here's the other fear of, well, why would this guy talk to me? Or like, what, you know, why would, I'm, I'm insecure to reach out. Like, chaps, we're all waiting for something great to happen every day. What's greater than getting an email from another guy saying, hey, man, would like to connect, uh, you know, and I think like we start these friendships, you know, we start these friendships, the, the only way to find each other right now, because it's even hard to find these guys in the churches that we go to, right? You, you'll go to a church, hopefully some of you praise God, if you've got a, a church that is, is patriarchal and dominionist, praise God. Put them in the comments, we're moving. <laughs> but it's this thing of like, it's hard to find in-person, honest, strong men uh, who want cultural dominion. And it's like, okay, we're going to start finding, I will find you and I will meet you and we will drink a beer. So I think that's just, yeah, next step for us chaps is, is really just reaching out to each other and, and just starting, you know, starting to get off. I think some of the best things that ever happened to us are, are, you know, these social media bans or social media censoring and stuff. It's like, okay, it's driving us to meet in real life, you know, um, summer is coming up. So it would be nice to, to start meeting a few guys. And, and I think, you know, let's really aim for that of, of really start trying to meet guys. And again, take the expectations of, we don't have to be Neo Amish super tribe tomorrow, you know, but like if, you know, a year from now you're doing a business venture together, you're buying a property together, you're doing a homeschool co-op together, you're growing food and sending it to each other, you know, like just little things, you know, little things go a long way. Um, and, and the flywheel starts, you know, and, and that's it. Like maybe, you know, 30 years from now, boom, Neo Amish super block, you know, but it doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be, uh, within, uh, you know, the first two times you meet someone. <clears throat> Andrew Quinn. Hey brother. Next time I'm in SA, pick me up from the airport. That would be uh, a great privilege. We're, uh, we're, try <laughs> we're trying to figure out to come in the winter. So it'll be like November, December. We're trying to, my wife and I are trying to, uh, I don't know. We're just like, are we going to get vaccinated here? <laughs> we're just petrified of getting stuck down. Well, I'm not petrified. They, they take that, that frame away. We're, we're being wise about this. So, so there's a chance we'll come out, uh, November or December. We'll keep you guys all, all up on that. Uh, wait a minute. If anyone comes south, I'm in Alabama, eight miles from Florida. You're welcome to visit. Yeah. Awesome, bro. That's great. And I think as well, it's like being, it's being, uh, you know, this is the, the old joys, you know, of family friends coming over. I think your kids really enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, uh, exposing your children to, to other strong men and other, uh, families and yeah, what a great time. So chaps, we're going to, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. But uh, yeah, otherwise, chaps, I appreciate you all jumping on. Uh, it uh, warms my heart uh, that there are a few other good men in this uh, wonderful, huge world of clowns. Thanks, Russ. Love you, brothers, and have a good, uh, a good afternoon, good evening.